Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Glad to have this man back. Friend of mine, more importantly, movie maker, book writer, author. He's a, a great mind, a conservative mind in America. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Dinesh, how are you? Good to see you again. Good to see you, Joe. Always a pleasure. Listen, I, first and foremost, and I thanked you in person, I want to thank you and Debbie and Danielle and Brandon and everybody for having my daughter and I there and for letting me play the national anthem at the premiere at Mar-a-Lago. It was a real thrill for me. Thank you. Joe, it was a highlight. I mean, my gosh, I had actually never heard you perform. Debbie's like, yeah, check him out on YouTube. And I'm like, whoa, this is fantastic stuff. So I told Danielle, she's like, we got to get him to open up the Mar-a-Lago premiere. That was so and cool. it set the mood. As you know, it was kind of a sublime event scary in its own way because of the topics covered in the movie but you got things off to a great start well i appreciate that and i don't want to talk about what i did too much other than to say i don't get nervous then i haven't gotten nervous in 35 years i just don't have that gene i was a little nervous i really was because there was a setting where there were some of my um uh, those who who have mentored me over the years those who i am a, a a peer of i guess in the business that we do and people that i really cared about but you know what really settled me down was halfway through the song, I could hear all of you guys singing it. And I was like, holy mackerel. And and it just and that room was so nice too. The ballroom, which by the way is only worth about five dollars if you look at the grander scheme of the of the price of Mar-a-Lago. But it really was a moment because I I play this in, in in arenas in front of twenty thousand people, and I never felt the same nerves as I felt that day. So again, a thrill for me, an honor of a lifetime, and thank you for having me do it. I really do appreciate well, it. Well, Joe, think about this. As you know, we close out the film with a January sixth protester kind of mournfully singing the national anthem in captivity, yes. joined by a second guy and a third guy and then it's a chorus so you playing the star spangled banner at the beginning wasn't just a kind of formulaic oh this is how we open an event it actually provided a kind of beginning and then we return to that exact same theme at the end of the movie i mean it right. was it was fantastic well well thank you and again i appreciate it what, what one quick anecdote i walked up to uh, to general flynn Afterwards, he said, man, that was really good. You started out, you know, you don't really into it too much. <laughs> then he said, but man, you really brought it home. I said, well, well Mike, I appreciate that. I, th- I thank you. Uh, it, straight shooter as he, he's always been. I wanted to bring up something that happened yesterday on TikTok. You may or may not have heard about this, but the trend on TikTok was the letter to America by Osama bin Laden. And I, I saw a couple of these videos and I thought to myself, my God, what's happened here? These people are pro-Palestinian. They're anti-Israel. They are, uh, they're the ones that think that we all colonized everybody. We all, we're all a bunch of imperialists and we want to uh, commit genocide. They were using Osama bin Laden's letter to America, which said, we're colonizers, we're bad people, you deserved what I did, basically, um, as some way of proving that the Palestinians are in the right and the Israelis are in the wrong. But something jumped out at me, Dinesh, that I think you can speak to. These idiots were using the word existential in almost every video. They use that word. It's an existential threat. Existential threat is colonization, so on. So obviously it was planned. In what you've learned over the years in researching your movies and your books, did somebody get to them? Did somebody say, okay, here's our script for today? It, it wasn't organic, Dinesh, no way. No, I mean, we find that these narratives, uh, when they're pushed, you have an eerie similarity. Some people have done this, by the way, on Twitter, where they will find 85 prominent leftist influencers using to a word, the identical tweet. Yes. So now, it, what is the chance, I mean, just for someone who's a statistician, what is the probability that 85 people in their own homes are all composing the exact same words without even a comma out of place? Yeah. Uh, it looks clearly like someone is supplying these kinds of talking points. Now, 
the interestingly, this video, the the Bin Laden. Uh, well, it's not a video; it's a statement. The you know the letter to America, 2002. I remember reading that letter when he put it out, and in fact, it was hardly covered by the media, which is kind of unfortunate because. At the time, what bin Laden was arguing or contending, and, and this was propaganda, of course, for the Muslim world, yes. is he was saying, listen, everybody's accusing me of attacking civilians. He goes, I did not attack civilians. He goes, in a democratic society, he argues, there are no civilians. Why? Because he says the civilians are the government. The civilians put the leaders in place. So if I've got a dispute with the policies of the leaders, I got to go to the people who made them what they are, namely the civilians. And then he goes on to say that he was mainly targeting military targets, like the Pentagon is obviously a military target, the White House is a military target, even in some respects, the World Trade Center as part of the infrastructure of capitalism, arguably a military target. Now, when I read that, I was like, you know, I'm a little disappointed that this is not being discussed in America. We need to counter this kind of rhetoric, but it was yes. ignored. And then like 20 years later, like out of nowhere, this thing has now surfaced. And all these young people who obviously have never read the letter originally are now like, oh, wow, this is like mind blowing stuff. Right. And interestingly, it's more relevant in a discussion of 9-11 than it is in the Hamas case, because in the Hamas case, they were quite obviously going to a music festival, massacring people. So right. it's not even there's not even a good case to be made that Hamas was going after military targets. Hamas <laughs> was clearly going after civilian targets. 100 percent. They, they basically said, we're going to kill as many Jews as we can. And they celebrated the fact that they did that. It's the next D'Souza. Go to policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. One last thing on that. I noticed that the 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 uh, mush brain people that posted these videos yesterday, whose eyes were open and it's an existential this and that, they didn't mention that we had befriended bin Laden before that uh, and we armed the Mujahideen to, to get rid of the Soviet Union that was invading Afghanistan. He beat the Soviet un Union because of us and then he turned our own weapons on us, something we probably should have seen coming. But they don't know that part of it whatsoever, do they? N not at all. And look, I mean, in fairness, look, there were the Soviets that invaded Afghanistan in 1979 with 100,000 troops. Reagan, by the way, had a policy which unfortunately has gotten kind of sidelined. It's a very useful middle ground between isolationism and the kind of extreme interventionism where you say, as Colin Powell said, you know, if you break a country, we now own it, almost like it's something you drop, you know, you break an item in a store, you now right. own it. Crazy stuff. Uh, and Reagan's idea was no, look, people need to fight for their own freedom. So if the Afghans have been invaded, the Muslims need to fight back, not us. We can help. And the United States, of course, provided some some material. We provided strategic advice. We provided right. Stinger rockets to shoot down Soviet helicopters. Bin Laden was not the leader of the Mujahideen. He was one guy among you know hundreds of thousands of Muslims fighting over there. I'm not even sure that the United States knew who he was at that time. Right. He emerges later. So yes, looking back, you could say, wow, we should have been a little more aware of who some of those guys were. But the true, simple truth was, you know, we often ally with a lesser evil to defeat a greater evil. Think about yes. it. In World War II, we allied with Stalin, a really bad guy, probably as bad as Hitler in some ways. But Hitler posed a greater threat at the time. It's a great point. And the reason why I bring up the Mujahideen and, and uh, Osama bin Laden is this, and it's very simple. He had no problem with the colonialists then because we were happy to help him get rid of these people that were invading. It's Dinesh D'Souza. Go to policestate.net, uh, policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. Dinesh, is that part of the police state when you've got the narrative and the messaging that clearly is being sent out blanketed to people that were, would be willing to either for money, and some of them do it for money, or because they, they don't understand how things work, they're going to go out and 
put put out this video because some person that they look up to said to do so. Is that the police state when it comes to the narrative or not? There are, to me, two kind of police state connections here. One is, of course, indoctrination is always part of a police state. So when you're getting repetitious messaging, uh, almost a chorus of voices all saying the same thing, this is very reminiscent, you know, of the kind of Goebbels-style propaganda where 17 German newspapers all had the same headline the next day. It was obviously coming from the propaganda ministry. The second point is that the United States should have known about this Hamas attack. Think about it. We gave the U.S. intelligence agencies, including the CIA, all this enhanced power after 9-11 to do what? To keep track of Islamic terrorists who are trying to kill us and our allies. And so it's obviously a failure of Israeli intelligence, yes, but how is it that with today's technology, cell phone geo-tracking and all the rest of it, we had no idea that this attack was coming and Jake Sullivan is like, the Middle East has never been quieter for the past 20 years than it has been for 20 years. He had no idea. And I think the reason is that our police state is paying attention to domestic opposition, grandmoms who just wandered into the Capitol for 15 minutes, pro-life activists, moms who are going to school board meetings, and they're not paying attention to the real bad guys as a consequence. The real bad guys are being able to do whatever they want. Well, as you know, and it's Dinesh D'Souza. Go follow him everywhere. And the movie is Police State, policestatefilm.net. Go there and get it. You can get the DVD. We'll talk about how to do that in a second. But but I'm glad that we're talking about the 9-11 period to now. That's when the Patriot Act was put in place. That's when the DHS was put in place. As you said, it was supposed to track down extremist Muslim terrorists. That's it. But instead, they seem to be paying more attention to your family and mine. They're paying more attention to our friend Brandon Strzok. When he goes and tries to fly, he's got the four S's on his ticket, which means extra security. We're somehow the bad guys. And Dinesh, the whole thing, and you, you used to work with Reagan in the White House, the whole thing was it was supposed to sunset. A lot of things that they put in place should sunset and end. The Patriot Act was a restriction of our rights for a good purpose, for a little while, but it hasn't sunset. They keep on uh, reauthorizing it. How can we make this stop when we know that the targets are innocent Americans? Well, um, the reason that... Uh, even Republicans continue these things. And and the reason that judges continue to issue warrants is because nobody wants to be the guy who let the terrorists slip through the net. So the Patriot Act comes up, it has all this power, and uh, congressmen think, well, if I vote against this, and then there's a terrorist attack in Chicago tomorrow, uh, I'm going to get blamed. So it's the safe route to just renew the the FISA, renew the, 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 the Patriot Act, Uh, let the government take the responsibility for what it's doing with this kind of power. So it's an abrogation of responsibility, a certain type of moral and intellectual cowardice that is creating this, making the situation in many ways worse. It's Dinesh D'Souza, author. He's a great speaker. See him if he's near you and a, a wonderful filmmaker. This, this movie's called Police State, policestatefilm.net. Go there. Uh, how was the opening in Washington this past week? It was actually very interesting because, you know, we generally don't do a screening in Washington, D.C., but I thought, where's the nerve center of the police state, if not Washington, D.C.? So we had a whole bunch of congressional people, congressional staffers and so on watching this movie. And it's not their usual thing, right? They're used to policy papers and so on. What happens with a movie is it brings things home to you at a whole different level. It's kind of like, Joe, if I were to say to you, you know, I grew up in India in a middle class family outside of Bombay. And you're like, 
yeah, but you know, you don't have a good feel of what that's like. But then right. I show you, hey, there is my house, and this is me at the age of 10, and these are the fruit vendors I would pass every day walking to school, and that's the school I went to. You experience it, right? You feel it, you see it, uh, and, and you have a much better idea. So that's what a film can do. There are many people, including some sophisticated congressional guys, they've heard about a lot of things in the movie, but it's a whole different thing to see it, to feel it. At one point, as you know, in the film, we put you inside a guy's apartment because yes. he happened to have a hidden surveillance camera. You can see the FBI thugs, you know, like running up the, the stairs. They put a tape across his peephole to cover, to make sure that no one records the incident. Little do they know that he's recording it with another camera. I love you can that. see the battering ram, the way they come through the door, armed soldiers, bulletproof vests, long guns. I mean, in a way, a movie can do this kind of thing, which is what makes, I think, the film so powerful. Well, it is very powerful. We started the movie and we're sitting there and we're watching it. We know it's, it's going to come. Okay, it's a police state. I get it, Dinesh. And then we've got a little bit of popcorn and we're you know, talking amongst ourselves. By the end of the movie, we're going like this. We're shaking a little bit, going, I had no idea the tentacles went this far. You covered, it must be five or six different angles that we're all under the police state every single minute of every single day of our lives. And it's scary as hell. And, and you, you always, in your movies, you always bring us back to the reality. We're still the best, freest, one, the, 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 the most incredible uh, country the planet's ever seen. We can still overcome this through elections, through picking the right people to, to, to be in government and so on. But man, the movie scares you half to death. Because when I thought it was over, there was another way they're doing it. And then when I thought it was over, there's another way they're doing it. Were you surprised in doing it that there are so many angles that the government has us under surveillance constantly? Well, I think what I what I struggled with through the movie was it occurred to me, you cannot make a movie and say, quite simply, all these people are just evil. Right. Solzhenitsyn actually realized this when he was writing the Gulag Archipelago. He goes, it's no answer for me just to say that evil creeps are running my country. He goes, I've actually got to explain how decent people get lured into this and are made to do evil things, even while they think they're carrying out their duties. And I think the same thing is here. You know, we have some bad guys, and I think strategically placed in places like DHS and the FBI, but right. surely every FBI agent can't be a villain. You know, these guys are married, they got kids, they got families. So how do you get an FBI guy to be, to do such vicious things, like kick his door, kick in the apartment door of a 70-year-old grandmother and pull her hair to the ground and drag her down the stairs and pull her in the street so her neighbors can come out and laugh at her and tip off CNN so they're helpfully there to humiliate her on the local TV that night. I mean, how do you get a decent person to act in such an indecent way? And answering that kind of a question is is kind of the way I try to take the movie to a new level. And your movies always grab us right by by the heart and, and make us understand there's a lot going on that you're not focusing on. And if you keep on living in this slumber, you probably aren't going to ever realize it until it's too late. The man that you talked about was crying hard. And it just, it was so visceral to feel that and this is a guy that basically is who you just gave the example of. Somebody in the neighborhood saw him doing something with something or saying something about something or videotaping something about something, and he had done nothing wrong. He was at, he was there in January 6th but didn't go to the Capitol. He just happened to have a piece of video, and they stormed his door because somebody in the neighborhood said, you probably should, right? Yeah, and then they tipped off the media. The guy was put into handcuffs. He's 75 years old. People so who knew him for years said I had no idea he was this horrible guy, just assuming that they were right. 
assuming that they were right. And then I think that the, the trauma of it, he has a stroke. So he, when he came to the to be interviewed for the movie, he's hobbling on a cane. Uh, so th- what they've done is they really have ruined his life. Wow. And no apology. They trashed his apartment. No, no effort to put that back into order. So these are people who operate with a complete sense of lawlessness and lawless impunity. They know that they will never be held to account. And guess what, Joe? They aren't. 70 Republicans just voted to give the FBI a new $300 million Washington, D.C. facility. This is the same FBI that just told Newsweek, we're targeting Republicans. MAGA Republican is a category of terrorist threat. And the Republicans go, oh, okay, well, maybe you need some more money to investigate Republicans. Here's $300 million. It's also sick, Dinesh. When I saw that, I couldn't believe it. I had Jim Jordan on uh, soon thereafter. I said, Jim, what the hell are we doing? You guys aren't even using your leverage to close the border if you want to give them something. It's sick. Uh, go to policestatefilm.net. Walmart and, and Amazon have said no to, cover, to, to even carrying this, really? All my previous films were on Amazon and Walmart. And then when 2000 Mules came along, I'm like, okay, I'm having some problems. Not with Walmart. Walmart actually stocked 2000 Mules, but Amazon didn't. And I thought this is probably because they think it's a banned topic, election fraud, can't talk about it. Right. But 2000 Mules, I mean, but, but, but police state is not a banned topic. Uh, I can buy ads on Facebook. I can buy ads on YouTube. And so yet I was very strangely like, wow, neither Amazon, no Walmart, no reason given. We're just not going to stock your DVDs. So my point is go to policestatefilm.net. It's streaming on three or four platforms. You can play it on your big screen TV, but also DVDs from Shopify or Salem Now, stock up. I mean, the way way we beat these guys is we don't let them win, right? This is always our answer to the police state. When I was locked up in my campaign finance case, you know, going back to 2013, I said to myself, they want to destroy my career. If I come out of this and I'm never invited to speak, publishers won't publish my books, I can't make movies, they will have succeeded. I got to make sure my career is bigger when I come out than it was when I went in. And then I win. They don't win. Same with the movie. They're trying to block us. If we defeat them, make the movie successful, I get some money back to my investors. I go to them and say, hey, give it back to me. I'm going to make my next movie. Then my business model is viable and I can keep making movies and the effort to block me has failed. That's what I want the result to be here. And it needs to be that. PoliceStateFilm.net. Go there. Make sure you get this movie. I cannot recommend it more strongly. Dinesh, thank you so much for making it happen. And thanks again for having me uh, at Mar-a-Lago. Thanks. It was a great pleasure, Joe. Thank you. All right, brother. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is The Joe Pag Show. We appreciate Dinesh coming on. Make sure you go check out that movie, Police State. This is, uh, we're going to take uh, most of next week off. There will be a couple of best ofs. We'll have some great fill-ins as well. Make sure you've got all the alerts on on all the social media. That is Sam. That is Polo. That is Carrie. I'm Joe. We're back uh, very soon. Have a great Thanksgiving. Talk soon. This is the Joe Pegg Show.